service. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be looking at verse 21 this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. If you don't have uh, your own copy of God's Word, I've got a little less real estate up here than I'm used to, so I'm having to figure out how to arrange everything. 1111 in the Pew Bible, 1111 in the Pew Bible. And uh, as you're opening up there, I want to mention uh, we've got a few thousand dollars that have been given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering already, and yet uh, we still have a ways to go to meet our goal. We're trying to raise $19,000, and so uh, we hope and pray that you'll give sacrificially there to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, all that money goes to support our church planners and missionaries uh, on the field internationally, and, and so I hope and pray that you'll make a commitment to give to that. Another thing is, as fine of a program as this was, we're not done yet. And so next Sunday night will be our uh, choir musical, uh, Good Will Begin and Never Cease. And so we look forward to that. Excited about that. Invite someone to come with you. And one of my favorite nights of the year is the reception. That's something Nathan uh, came up with and we've started doing in recent years. And I love it. I really enjoy uh, that time we get to spend together, just sort of a Christmas fellowship. Everyone's invited to that. There's no cost for that. I hope and pray you'll make plans to be here next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Well, if you have your Bibles open, why don't you go and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our Lord. Matthew writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to you. We're going to read verse 21. Let's back up into verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, would you open our hearts and minds today, Father, to receive your word. And God, I pray we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let me ask everyone a question, but I'm going to focus over here on this section. So we got some folks in here with us today who aren't always in here with us. Do you like to hear stories? What do you guys think? Do you like to hear stories? What's your favorite story? Can answer. Here we go. The night before Christmas, great story. I agree. Seasonally appropriate as well. I appreciate that. What else? What? What? You agree? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Baby Jesus story. All right, well, he got baptized recently, we can tell. And so the Baby Jesus story, there we go. And uh, we're. We're ready for Christmas over there. All, all the best stories, in my opinion, stories I like to hear the most, stories I enjoy the most, are the stories that involve somebody being saved. Somebody's in distress. Somebody or something needs to be saved. Things aren't going so well. And something or someone comes along and makes things right. Now, Ford said he agreed with the night before Christmas 
But I'm going to tell you something. He and I and the rest, and Watsy and Whitney and Jim and myself, we're pretty excited about a story we're going to get to hear in a couple of weeks. There's the last uh, Star Wars movie that's coming out. Right? Is anybody else excited over here to see Star Wars? All right. A lot of male hands going up over here. I appreciate that. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing that. And, and as you all know, it's a cult, Star Wars is a cultural phenomenon. It's a big deal. Now, we're not going to quite dress up or anything like that to go to the movies, but we enjoy it because it's a compelling story. One thing I've learned is stories are compelling no matter what setting they're in or who the people or, or characters are. A good story is important to us. And Star Wars, I think, is compelling precisely because everything is at stake. It, it, not just one planet, but the whole galaxy is at stake in that story. Have you ever wondered why we like stories so much? In, in fact, have you, have you ever wondered why we like stories about rescues so much? Why we like a movie like Saving Private Ryan, something amazing like that, or, or, or even stories like Lord of the Rings or, or Harry Potter where people need to be saved? You ever thought about why we like those things so much? I'll tell you what I think. I think the reason we like stories so much, and, and, and the reason I think we like stories about rescue so much, is because I believe there's one big true story, an old story that makes sense of everything in the world. And, and, and I think that we're drawn to stories and, and that we long to hear stories. And in fact, we all know folks who are good storytellers. We love to hear stories and long for stories precisely because we are made to hear the story that God is telling. The, the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this morning we look and we see an important part of the story, which is the name of the one who's doing the rescuing. And his name is Jesus. Now, my children all have names that have meaning. They're family names. They're tied back to some relative in our family. And many of you have children whose names have meanings. But it's not as popular in today's uh, society to assign to folks names that have a deeper meaning other than that we like them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some, some people choose to have uh, names with, with more meaning. And some people choose just to choose a name they like. And both of those are equally good. But in, in biblical times, I think we saw... Uh, uh, more of a tendency toward giving folks names that had meaning. People thought about what the meaning of people's name was. Do you know what Jesus' name means? Do you guys know over here what Jesus' name means? Anybody know what, Ford? It does mean Savior, Ford. Goodness gracious. And uh, must be a preacher's kid or something. So <laughs> it means Savior. It means God saves. Yahweh saves. What a beautiful name the name of Jesus is. This morning I want to show you three important truths about what it means for Jesus to be Savior. Three important truths about the name of Jesus that means Yahweh or God saves. God is salvation. Three truths this morning about why and how Jesus is our Savior. Okay, here's the first point this morning. And, and I guess it's a point in the form of a question, but you'll, you'll see what I mean. Do we even need to be saved? That's the first thing we want to look at this morning is, do we even need 
to be saved. What does verse 21 say? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people, what? From their sins. He will save his people from their sins. One time when I uh, was younger, I uh, picked up a guy who needed a ride. And uh, I've quit picking up hitchhikers. Uh, I've got a wife and three children now, and so I just figure I'll, if God's sovereign, maybe he'll give me another way to witness to them. But I used to pick up hitchhikers more often. And uh, I picked up a hitchhiker one time, and I started talking to him. And he started telling me about how he'd been on drugs and how he needed to be delivered from being on drugs. And uh, I looked at him and I said, Brother, your problem is bigger than drugs. And uh, he kind of looked at me. And I said, your problem's bigger than drugs. you, You may kick the drugs out, but there's something else waiting in the wings, right, to take its place. And it Hopefully it won't be as bad or as destructive as drugs. I I hope you can find a way to to get over your addiction because it's obviously making a mess of your life. And and it'd be nice to own your own car so you don't have to listen to a loudmouth preacher when you're going where you're going, you know. And uh, I recognize, you know, it'd be nice to not be in this situation right now. Uh, I hope you can get off drugs, but know that you've got a problem that's bigger and deeper than drugs. You need to be delivered from your sin. Because there are a lot of folks who aren't on drugs who are still sinners, who still desperately need a Savior. You know, one problem we have, and one reason we even ask this question, do we even need to be saved, is we look around the world, and for all the bad in the world, we also recognize we see how amazingly good people can be. Isn't it amazing how good folks can be? Uh, This is a good time of year. We can look around, and you'll hear on the news and see on Facebook and everything else Really good stories about people being kind to one another. People reaching out at Christmas time, people being nice to one another. It's a really good time for people to be nice to one another. I'm going to enjoy this Christmas because next year is an election year and people might stop being nice for a while. So enjoy Christmas while it lasts, guys. And, uh, and so, but isn't it nice we see on the news, we see on shows we watch, stories of people being really kind, really nice one another people can be amazingly good it it, it blows my mind the propensity for good that human beings have and yet as we look around the world we also see don't we that people can be really bad people who have simultaneously amazing depth of ability to be really good also have an amazing depth of ability to be really bad to do bad things to, to be unbelievably wicked and, and we hear stories and see things that show depths of wickedness that really just, just blow our minds or beyond even what we can comprehend so often. Let me ask you this question. What else is there? What else is there besides the Bible that can make sense of those two things? The Bible teaches us that human beings are created in God's image. That, that we're not just mere animals, we're not just another beast that's been put in the world. And so therefore we have immense ability to be good, to be kind, to do good things, to do amazing things, to create amazing technologies, to, to help make the world a better place. 
We have amazing ability. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. There's something greater and bigger than us who made us in his own image. And it shows us the, the heights to which humanity can reach precisely because we are made in God's image. And yet the Bible also teaches that not only are we made in the image of God, but furthermore, that because of the fall and because of sin, that that image has been marred in us and that we are also capable of great evil. In fact, we're capable of being far worse than even beasts and animals can be. We can be better and we can be worse. And I think the Bible makes sense of both of those things. If we're mere animals, the things that humans do, both good and bad, just simply don't make any sense. And so here, this very idea that God saves, this idea of Yeshua or Jesus Jesus, I mean, that God saves, that God is salvation, shows us the way that the Bible makes sense of who we are. We need to be saved from our sins so that we can live unto God in the way He designed us to live unto Him. You see, I find the Bible much more compelling than what I hear a lot, which is that folks ought to just be decent human beings. In other words, just do your best to be decent and that everything else should work itself out. The problem is that eventually this idea of choosing to be a decent human being eventually breaks down. If we continually just try to live our truth, eventually we're going to step on someone else's. We have to find a source outside ourselves where truth is and that can save us from ourselves. We do need to be saved. We, we do need to be saved from our sins. We need to be delivered from our sins. And we, whatever you're sitting here thinking about, what your problem may be. And some of you who are here or some of you who are watching on TV or whatever else, you, you may say to me, Pastor, my, my problem is what that gentleman you picked up's problem is. I'm, I'm addicted to substances and it's making a mess of my life. But your problem is bigger than substance abuse. And you may say, Pastor, my problem is I need, I need to learn how to manage my money better. But your problem is be bigger than whether you're a good money manager or not. You may say, Pastor, my, my problem is, is the way I look for meaning and significance in romantic relationships. Your, your problem is bigger than the relationships you're in or not in. And I promise you the next one that you're searching for right now won't do the trick. You need to be saved from yourself, from your own sins. Because there are some of you in the room right now who are sitting there thinking, I don't really have a problem at all. I'm fine in and of myself. We need to be saved from our sins, therefore we need to be saved from ourselves, and so often our own self-righteousness. Do we even need to be saved? I believe the Bible's answer is yes, and, and I believe that our experience in the world bears itself out that we need delivered from something, and that something is sin. You know, have you ever thought, I should do better? What's kept you from doing better? I believe it's because we're sinners. We do need to be saved, but second of all, the second truth I, I hope you'll see is that Jesus was born to die for His people. Jesus was born to die for his people. This was not God's plan B. God didn't look down in the manger this night and say, yeah, I guess that guy will do. No, Jesus is the very son of God. He is God incarnate and he was born to die. He didn't just happen to do that. He came into the world to save us 
from our sins. And He came into the world as a clear sign of love for His people. You see, that's something I want you to consider here at Christmas time. How does Jesus save? How does Jesus save? He saves through His atoning death on the cross. Something had to be done about our sins. You see, God cannot just snap His fingers, right? He, he, he simply cannot just snap His fingers because He would then contradict, as we talked about some last week, His own justice, and He would contradict even His own love because His love must be made real through sacrifice. It's not just a theoretical love. It's a genuine, authentic self-sacrificial flesh and blood love Jesus came into the world to save sinners this is why Jesus came into the world and this is why Jesus was named God saves it's why his name is Jesus is because he was born to die for our sins consider this truth brothers and sisters consider this reality that before the world was ever made God knew his plans to save sinners through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world, in fact, was designed to be redeemed through the blood shed at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Bible says we are made in the image of God, Paul says in Colossians that Jesus is the image of God. And so all things in this world are made in the image of Jesus Christ. All things in this world are meant to be conformed to Jesus Christ. And the means by which God has chosen to conform all things to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, is through and for the cross. There's a value we have in our culture that's really weird if you think about it. Stop with me for a moment. Let's all apostatize together for a moment. Just imagine that there's nothing in the world but stuff. That we're all just materialists just for a moment, okay? And so the whole entirety of the First Baptist Church of Gadsden has converted together to Darwinian evolution for two minutes this morning. There's nothing in the world. There, there is no God above. There is nothing. This is all there is. And in fact, the only reason we're here is because we happen to have genes that made us able to survive better than our, some of our, well, someone who knew our ancestors. Stop for a moment and consider that. We have a weird value if all that's the case. And it's the value of sacrifice. But think about it this Christmas time. Anytime you hear of someone giving their money to someone else, that's a sacrifice. When you hear reports back about our military who died for others, that's sacrifice. When you see people laying down their life for the sake of others, that's sacrifice. And in a cosmos where there's nothing but stuff, sacrifice makes no sense at all. It is not something to value if, there, if all that we can do is survive. And yet, and yet, we love stories and we love examples, not only of people, not, not only of people, 
who make sacrifices because they should for their own family or people we love. And not only uh, stories of sacrifice for people who lay down their life and sacrifice for people they shouldn't, but we even love stories to see how and to witness how someone who ought not to sacrifice for others, who doesn't care about others, who has a culture that despises others, chooses instead to sacrifice on behalf of others. It makes no sense if we're evolutionists. So now let's all reconvert and we'll count your previous baptism. Have you ever wondered if the reason why we sacrifice, love sacrifice so much? Have you ever wondered why a novel I read, A Man Called Ove, it's a, it's a wonderful novel about a man who sacrifices for those who are not like him, or, 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 or a film like Gran Torino or something like that. Have you ever wondered why we find that so compelling? Perhaps we value sacrifice because the world is cruciform. But perhaps we find these stories of sacrifice so compelling because God has made the world to be conformed into His image through a cross whereby He sacrificed Himself to save us. Jesus came into the world to save sinners by dying on the cross. That leads us to our last point this morning. Jesus is able to save you from your sins. Jesus is able to save you from your sins. I, I'm troubled by the way the world is, and I love the fact that Jesus has dealt with sin once and for all at the cross. And I confess and believe and hope that the, the day is coming, that Jesus is coming to make all things in creation right. And so it's important, important for us to have a view of Christ's kingdom. That, that, and we'll talk about that when we talk about Jesus as the Christ. And it's important for us to have a view that sees Jesus is coming to transform the world, to make all things right, where the lion will lay down with the lamb, as Isaiah prophesies about. It's important for us to see that. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, I want you to know this morning, Jesus is able to save you from your sins. We have a tendency to be so concerned about the sins of others that we forget our own. But I want you to know this morning, there's nothing that prevents you from being saved today but you. Jesus stands able and willing to save you even now. The one thing that keeps you is your choice not to be saved. And I don't know why you don't want to be saved. Perhaps you're still wrestling with some deep questions. That's okay. This is a place to do that. That's what church is for. Come wrestle with us. We're, we're all thinking through and praying through these things regularly. Nobody, nobody has it all together quite like you think they do. And the ones who want you to think they have it all together are the ones who have it all together the least. And trust me, just whoever you are in the room that's like that, just feel some freedom in knowing we know. <laughs> you can let go of that today. Perhaps you believe you're too bad to be saved. Perhaps you believe you're too far gone or perhaps you're so eat up with your own self-righteousness that you think you're too good to need to be saved today today no matter how far you are from the lord no matter whether you've run from the lord outside the church or you've run from the lord inside the church into legalism and 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 self-righteousness you are not too good or too bad to need to be saved, and you are not too far gone to receive God's love today. Luke's gospel in the 15th chapter, Jesus tells the story that we often call 
the prodigal son, but really both sons were lost and only one is saved by the end of the story. And time doesn't tell us to talk about both sons, but, but I want to focus today perhaps on some of you who may feel like you're a prodigal this morning. The, the first son, the prodigal son, he, he went off into the, out into the reaches of the world. He, he went off into a far land. He had rudely requested his inheritance early from his father. And eventually he found himself at rock bottom. He had spent all his money on uh, wild living and found himself as low as a young Jewish boy can be, eating the slop of the pigs he was feeding. And so it dawned on him one day, I, I could just, the servants at home live better than this. I'll go back and just see if my father will let me just simply be a servant. I'll just go be a slave. No longer a son. I've already received my inheritance. I'll let go of all that and I'll just go serve if that's what it takes. But I, I can no longer live here like this. And some of you may be in that very spot today. At rock bottom at the last place you ever thought you'd be, and now you're at the second to last place you ever thought you'd be at a church or listening to a sermon. That's how desperate things have gotten. You're listening to Matt Alexander preach. And you wonder whether you'd be accepted. And here came the son out of the far country on his way to be a slave and a servant to his father. And from a father... From a distance, the father sees the son coming. He sees his prayers answered out on the horizon. And the father, despite the dignity that he is supposed to have, runs. And he grabs his son. He hugs him. He kisses him. And he doesn't even ask him to be a servant. He brings the best robe. New shoes, a ring, signifying his sonship. He throws a huge feast, a huge party. And what does he say to his son? What took you so long? What does he say to his son? I tried to tell you. What does he say to his son? You've got a lot of nerve coming back here. What does the father say to you? This, my son, was dead. And is alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. My friends, this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus came to do. He saves. This is his heart for you. This is why he came into the world. Is to save you from your sins. We love to hear stories. We love to see folks rescued. It resonates with us for a reason. Because we weren't just made to hear the story that God is telling. You weren't just made to hear it. You were made to live the story that God is telling. Will this be your story today? God saves. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust and your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to offer this invitation to you today. 
Jesus stands with open arms waiting for you to come from whatever far country you're in. No matter what its name may be, He is waiting for you. If you will turn to Him in repentance from your sins and in faith through the Lord Jesus Christ, He will save you today. Second of all, second of all, you may be a believer and you may just need some time to pray. This altar is open for you this morning. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we are so grateful for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for the fact that you save us through your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one who saves. And God, we pray you would move among us even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.